Good morning and welcome again to uh, another episode. Good to be in the house of the Lord today. And uh, we started last week, kind of covertly, we started a new new series. And that's the, the root of the problem, source of the problem, however you want to say it. And uh, last week we talked about abortion, one of the today's hot topics. And we're going to talk about another one today. And we have to look at what God has. God has to be our filter in everything that we do. And many times as, as humans, as mankind, as people, we get really lazy. We want someone to tell us what to do. We want someone to make the rules up for us. You know, the Israelites said, we got to, except for when it comes to God. You know, we want to keep him at, at arm's length. You know, but that's because there's no visible repercussions. We know that if we violate the law, we get caught. There's repercussions for that. But we uh, kind of put God out of sight, out of mind, and, and don't think that he's there. We don't think he's paying attention. Don't think he's going to do anything to us or for us. So we just kind of ignore him and put him at arm's length. The Israelites were the prime example of that. They said, okay, God, yeah, we'll, we'll listen to what you got to say. You give us the rules and we'll follow them. We can do it on our own. We don't need you. You stay over here in the corner. But that's not the way that we're supposed to interact. God is supposed to be part of our lives. God is our source. He is our Heavenly Father. He is our one true leader. And the people keep saying, well, give us a king, give us a king. And God said, you don't want a king. There's problems that rely with that, that let me be your source. And they said, no, God, we want a king. We want someone to rule over us to tell us what we do. So we always have someone now that's over us, that we put in position, that we have to be our, our leader. And the problem is, even in the times when God appoints a person, they're still human. They're still flawed. We see that, that King Saul, that he was good at once, that God appointed him, but yet the corruption of power overtook him, which led him to fall. David, that had a heart for God, even though that he had this heart for God, he still struggled with sin. He struggled with the flesh, and it caused him great problems throughout his kinghood. We see Solomon that even though that he was so full of wisdom, so smart, that women and adultery took him down. And we're always going to have these problems. And these were hand-picked men from God. And yet they still had their earthly, fleshly ways that was harmful to them and the people that served under him. And nowadays that we have different groups of leaders. It doesn't matter what their titles are. We can call them prime ministers. We can call them kings and queens. Or we can call them presidents. We can call them legislators. They still serve the same purpose. 
And the problem is now that as we go through the generations, we've pushed God further and further away. And as I look at the leaders that we have today, I do not see any evidence of God. It's not in their talk. It's not in their walk. It's not in their fruits. And we know that from out of the mouths, we know from out of the heart, we see the fruits, and that shows the true person and what they're about. Well, we see what they support and what they are trying to accomplish, and it's not in line with what God wants. It's not in line with kingdom of heaven. We've been looking at a lot of tragedies over the past few weeks. A lot of young children lost their lives. And that's sad. A lot of broken families because of this. A lot of devastation. So, as we have our, our leaders in their position of power, they want to use that power to make rules. Because that's how they maintain power. That's how they show power. They are to set up guidelines for everyone to follow. And the fact that people follow these guidelines show the, the source of their power. That is always a driving force in the human condition, is our, our sense of, of status. And power is that greatest sense of status. And you know, almost everything else that falls underneath that Fall underneath that umbrella of status. We want the big house because it shows status. We want the fancy car because it shows status. You don't go out and buy a Lamborghini because everyone else has one. You go out and buy a Lamborghini because it's rare, because not many people have it, because it's coveted after, that other people want it, and you want to show off and say, hey, look what I did, look what I accomplished, look what I can do. Status. Money is just another way to show status. But it ultimately comes down to power. To be able to, to speak, to give orders, and it happens. You know, that's where Satan failed. We have creation. We have God that just simply speaks and worlds are formed. With his voice, he brought light. He brought day. He formed everything that we see. And we covet that. We want to be able to have people jump at our words. So we want to create laws 
And of course, as we want to be lazy, we want to have these laws to follow so it makes our life easy. We don't have to think. We don't have to think for ourselves. All we have to do is follow instruction. And most importantly, we don't have to bother with having a relationship with God because we have someone else telling us what to do. Ever wonder why the Catholic religion is so popular? Because we can claim to be part of the Christian faith, to pray to be believers and followers of God, and yet we have all these people, these men, these bishops, telling us exactly what to do, doing all the interpretation, doing all the thinking for us, and to say, here, you do this, you act this way, you take this, you do this, and then everything's right with God. You mess up, you come to us, and we'll tell you how to fix it. Ultimate power. That's not the way it's supposed to work. It's supposed to work. We're supposed to have a relationship with God. We are supposed to seek God. We are supposed to seek His Word with every situation. We are supposed to capture every thought. We are supposed to filter it through the Word of God. And we are supposed to, through Him, through the Holy Spirit, be able to make clear, conscious, good choices for the benefit of ourselves, for the benefit of others, and for the benefit of the kingdom of heaven. So today, we're talking about gun control. How does God feel about that? And you're going to say, well, there's no guns in the Bible because they weren't around yet. Well, that might be true. But the Word of God covers everything that we need to know. And it may have not had the traditional firearms that we see today, but they still had things that mirror the same subject matter. So all we have to do is to look at it. Luke 22 and 36. And then he said to them, But now he that hath a purse... Let him take it, and likewise his script. And he that has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. So, at that time, the sword was the modern day firearm. And I'm reading from my King James Version, and it's a red letter Bible. And what I just read from is in red. That indicates these are the words of Jesus. And my friend Jesus... He does not miss an opportunity to teach. And we picture Jesus as this loving, caring person. So you would think that, oh, yes, well, these things have to be off the table. He wouldn't be for something like a sword. And we talked about David. He uh, had a slingshot, shot a projectile, a rock, killed a giant with it. He used it in the fashion that it was made to be used in. Not in excess, 
not in a perverted way, but he used it the way of should. And he took down an enemy. It was sanctioned by God. And God used that event to propel him into the next chapter of his life. It was using him to build him up to be the king. John 18, 10. We're in the red letters again. And Simon Peter, having the sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. And the servant's name was Malchus. And Jesus said unto Peter, Put thy sword in thy sheath. The cup which my father had given me shall I not drink. All right, we see that Peter, he must have been a card-coating, weapon-wielding person because he has it not only with him, but he has it strapped to his side. And not only that, he felt the threat. He pulled that sword and he sliced off an ear. Well, Jesus, he goes into teaching mode. But we don't get a lecture about weapons. We don't get a lecture about violence. What we get a lecture about is what he is told is he gets to the point. He gets to the purpose that Peter, this is my purpose. That this is supposed to happen to me. Just put your weapon away. Let it happen. Stand by. There was never addressed about the violence. There was never an address about the weapon. Just simply that Jesus had his father's work to do. Now let me explain why this is. See, so many times we get so caught up into what we perceive we can do. See, God, He had the foreshadowing, He had the knowledge, because He knows everything from beginning to end, to put here on earth every single thing that we need. But you see, we, we take stuff from the earth and we put it together and we think we've created something. No, there is only one Creator, and that is God. He can literally take nothing and speak it into existence. The world is here because he spoke it into existence. He took the dust of the earth, he breathed life into it and created man. From man, he pulled out the rib and he created woman. In my secular life, I am a carpenter by trade. And I can take a, a stack of wood and I can turn it into all sorts of things. I can make you a, a beautiful table. I can make you a bench. I can make you whatever you can dream of out of wood. And a lot of times I look at it and I'm like, wow, that's a pretty nice piece. That's beautiful. Especially when other people come by and they start talking about how much they like it and how good it looks. But I have to remember that it's not me. Because I didn't put that tree there that that wood came from. In fact, 
There also, we have to take into consideration the, the fellows that went out into the woods and cut that tree down and turned it into usable lumber. The people that hauled it and put it in the store. But every element of what it takes to create something, the wood, the lumber, come from the trees. The screws are made from the ore of the ground, the elements in the ground that we form into metal. The stains and the paints come from the oils and other bases. Even the chemical bases that start as just chemicals come from other organic things that we find here on earth. Everything that we have comes from our one source, which is God. He has created it all and put it here for us. And then we look at people and we see someone that can play an instrument. We see someone that can dance. We have someone that has a, a special skill set. Even standing up here talking to you today. And they say, well, how do you do that? Did you go to school for it? Did someone teach you? And of course you pick up things along the way. And we learn how to do things and we hone our craft as we go through our lifetime doing it better. And we hope to improve and get better as, as days go by and we work at things. But the fact is, is that sometimes some people are just better at certain things than others. And what do we call that? We call it talent. But more importantly, we call that a God-given talent. And it's all connected. We go back to the body of Christ. All these different parts coming together. And it's because God has given us all special talents, special skill sets that's needed as a group. And he puts it all together so we can all use our special talents as a whole to make the world a better place, to make our church a better place, to make our homes a better place. We come together as a unit, each differently each individual, each with a special skill set, God-given talent. We hear the term self-made. Self-made by the grace of God. We see great inventions. We see leaps in technology. We see are able to do amazing things. And it's not because we just did it on our own. Remember, we are made in the image of God. He poured in Himself into us. Jesus covers us with His blood. And with that, we gain the kingdom of heaven. We gain that power. We gain that knowledge. Jesus says, you will do things like I've done and you'll do things that are even greater. And why is that? Because we have that power. We have that knowledge. He has given it to us. It's not something that we earned, not something that we did on our own. We ourselves are God's creation. Which means that we're not even original. 
We are God's creation. When we reproduce, when a man and a woman come together and have a baby, we are taking two of God's creations and making something else with it that already existed. Everything comes from God. And God has purpose in everything that we have, everything that we do. And everything that we invent and come forward with is to make our lives better, enhance it in some ways. And that's always the, the motivation force. Because why do people invent things? Why do people do things? Because they want to make their lives better. They want to make a process easier. That's why we have better communications. We went from phone lines being on a wire to wireless connections. Now we have instant communication. We have went from training horses to pull buggies to... Steam-powered cars out to our modern-day vehicles. We have trains. We have planes. All in the event to make life better. And as long as we are following God's commandments, doing what He says, living a godly life, and we are using these things in a godly way and we are living our lives correctly, then everything's great. God has no problem with that. God doesn't have any problem with any object. See, it's us humans, it's mankind that gets the idea that something is bad. And we need to regulate it because someone misuses it. We'll look at another example here. First Timothy 5 and 23. Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine, and often infirmities. You know, Jesus himself, he even was at a party one time, a wedding, and they uh, ran out of wine. So what does he do? He takes and turns that water into wine. Proverbs 31 and 4, as it is not for kings, O Lamel, for it is not of kings to drink wine, nor prices strong drink lest they drink and forget the law and perverse the judgment of any and afflict. Give strong drink unto those that is ready to perish and the wine to those that are of heavy hearts. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. Whoa. So look, we got a twofold there. It's like, okay, well, if you're in leadership, you need to maintain a clear head. You need to be able to remember the laws. Remember to have sound judgment. But yet... So we can take something and use it in the wrong way and it can become bad. But yet, if someone is in great poverty, if someone is in great misery, the same thing can be used to help relinquish their pain. 
And it's all in the way that we use it. We can use it for what it's made for or for its purpose, or we can abuse it. But then we have people that think that well, we should never do it. That alcohol is bad. And we put all kinds of rules and regulations about who can buy it, when we can buy it, and how we can buy it. So we circle back. God doesn't have a problem with weapons, firearms, guns, as long as we use them in the correct manner for our protection, for feeding our families through hunting. People hunted in the Bible times. They had bows. They had arrows. They had spears. The modern firearm is just an advancement in that technology. The same thing, it could be used for bad. The same bows were also used for war. The same knife that could kill a lion, kill a bear, could kill a man. Anything can be used as a negative. And we have our lawmakers that want to exercise their power because that makes them feel good. And they want to get on the side of the masses, so... They're trying to determine where the most loyalty lies because that's the side they want to side with so they can get the most people on board when the votes come in. And see, here's a problem. We're not filtering things through God. Because, you know, we, we question God. You know, we want something to happen and we wonder... Why God won't take this person out of our lives? Why is he allowed to live? Why does he allow to keep doing bad things? And, and why ain't God doing this for us? And we don't realize that we're only worried about what's affecting us at that moment. We're not worried about the big picture. And God is. God sees everything. He knows what's happening with every person, everyone's future, and how every single situation is going to play out in that future. So God doing something for you might make you feel better, but what's that going to do for the other people that's going to be involved? And we have this selfish mentality. We only are concerned about what affects us. I was listening to the, the news, and it was talking about some campaign promises that were made about Eliminating some from debt, student loans. And a lot of people cast their vote based on this one subject matter. Nothing else. Because if this happens, well, this will greatly affect them in a positive way. That we won't have this bill anymore. We won't have this debt. 
and it's a lot of money we're talking about, and they really want to get rid of it. So just by that one promise, here you go, you get my vote. That's all that matters because this affects me the most. But yet, this hasn't come to light and may never come to light, and they're starting to call it an empty promise now. And that happens so many times. We're only concerned with, with what affects us. You know, tobacco has been here since the beginning of time. It's part of the creation package. It's a natural growing product. And we've learned to take what was already here and to reproduce it and to farm it and grow it. And it's been a great source of, of income for many, many years. But did you know that there's other things that you can do with it? It was once used to stop bleeding, to treat certain infections, and other municipal purposes. And then they decided that we can roll it up and we can smoke it. And it has a different effect. But of course, man always has to change things up. And we've added chemicals and addictive properties and, and all these different things to it to make it very harmful to us. That is a, a cause of, of cancer. And throughout the years, we've changed our direction of it, especially if we learn more and more about it and there's harmful effects of it. And we've seen in my lifetime the demise of smoking sections in restaurants. We've seen it banned from the indoors. We've seen now even that the ashtrays that were placed out in front of stores and places and entryways are being moved further away or eliminated because we don't want that, that gathering there. So it can be harmful and yet offensive as well. But yet we still allow it to be produced and sold. It's a great money maker. It's taxed. So everybody gets their cut. And of course, there's also that thing of, of choice. If this is something that you enjoy, if you get a benefit from it, you know the risk, you know the cost, it's still your choice to be able to indulge in that activity if you so choose to do so. But it doesn't affect everyone. If they were to make a law today completely abolishing the use of tobacco, it would not affect anyone. In fact, that many people that don't smoke would probably be in favor of it. Because it doesn't bother you. And then now you don't have to smell it. When you walk by someplace, well, there's a plus. And then you're thinking, well, I'm doing my part 
to save all these people that could possibly get lung cancer and die. But it doesn't truly affect you. And gun control is the same way. It doesn't affect everyone. So if you don't participate in the, the recreation, in hunting, target shooting, if you don't believe in home defense, if it's not your thing, then it sounds like a great idea. It sounds like you're helping. It sounds like you're, you're doing the world justice. But on the same token, you've never been involved and you don't really know how it works. You've never been through a, a, a training course, a tactical course. You've never done any of these things or been involved with it in any way. God always looks at the big picture, and we always look at what involves us. And it's a trade-off. Because sooner or later, if we just keep allowing ourselves to put a rule onto everything, and that's what we do. If someone gets murdered in a certain way, we create a law. And we have all these laws that are named after people that's had something happen to them. The such and such act, the such and such law, because of the way a certain crime was committed, a certain murder was committed. So we don't want that to happen again. Or we have a special set of circumstances or a special set of punishment that follows cases that behave in the same type of manner. But that's not really fixing anything. We go back to Cain and Abel. When somebody really wants to murder someone, it's going to happen. No matter what they have for a weapon. And where do we draw the line? People hijacked airplanes and they flew them into buildings and they killed a whole lot of people. And what did we do? We didn't outlaw airplanes. We didn't ban airplanes because it could certainly happen again. But what we did was we tightened up security around airports. We tightened up security about who could come in, who could make, get knowledge of how to operate such a vehicle. If a person takes a car and drives into the middle of a crowded area of pedestrians 
and runs over a bunch of them and kills them. Are we going to outlaw cars? Are we going to find a way to prevent this behavior from happening again? We're looking in the wrong direction. See, God's not concerned with guns. God's concerned with the heart of the people. God's concern is with that person that made the choice to gear up and go in and take innocent lives. That, my friends, is the source of the problem. And I strongly believe that the reason that we want to put so much emphasis on the object instead of the actual source of the problem is because if we dig in real deep, if we really see what the true source is, we're going to see a lack of God. And that's scary for a lot of people. Because even the demons, even the demons know who Jesus is. They know how powerful he is. He knows what his name means. And these demons that are controlling these people that's running our world are scared. Satan's scared because all he has is a smoke show. All he has is misdirection, is mirrors, is a distraction. So if he can get you looking over here, looking at the object... While the real problem is free to go. It's just like our, our news today. There's certain agendas that the news outlets want to push. We want to talk about gun control. So we're going to put front row and center any kind of Mass shootings, we want to plaster that all over the news. And of course, if, we, if there's an assault weapon involved, many of you probably wouldn't even know what an AR-15 is if it wasn't for the news. But if it's involved, we definitely want to make sure we get that up in there. Because even though that that's a small percentage of what people use in these type of situations, that most Gun violence is done by handguns, that they are by far the most dangerous weapon out there, that this is what our, our target, because that's what someone says it should be. Because that's what someone has a personal vendetta against. And it doesn't matter what the facts say, it doesn't matter what God says, all it matters is what certain people say and who can say it the loudest and convince the most people to go along with them. Nothing else matters. But there was almost another casualty. But a legally carrying woman 
was able to take down the perpetrator. She wasn't a cop. She wasn't a, a Marine. She was just the average concerned citizen with a legal concealed carry permit. She was able to take down the perpetrator before any lies were lost. But yet we don't hear about that because that doesn't fit what we want to accomplish. God's concerned with the heart. He's concerned with the heart. We can abuse anything. And it's crazy. We are really some really irrational people. And believers, I'm talking to you too just as well. We are really irrational because we want to deny God so bad. We get out here and we talk about week after week after week all the things that we can do to enhance our lives if we'll just follow Him and follow God. And we won't do that. We have people say, I'm not going to come to church. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to get involved with religion. I'm not going to do that. Because I don't want nobody telling me what to do. I won't be able to live my own life. I want to be able to make my own decisions. And I don't want to be influenced by no church. I don't want to listen to all this religious hooey. Because I just want to be able to make my own choices. And God gives us free will. He says, make your own choices. He says, come to me because you want to. Because you want all the things that I can give you. Because I want to make your life better. Because I love you. But yet, what we'll do is, we will follow every trend, every celebrity, every politician. And we will believe every word they say. And we will jump on these bandwagons. And all the while on our heads, we're thinking we're making our own choices. We are following mindlessly. And we've just think about it. It doesn't make any sense. We are God's greatest creation because we can think. We can rationalize. We have feelings. We have emotions. That's why we are so high up on the chain, on the ladder. We can do all of these grand things, but we refuse to think. We refuse to be on our own. And we won't accept God's help, but we will sure certainly turn the nonsense and we'll listen to that. We have the highest number of these kind of events now than we've ever had before. But we also have a lot of other things that we have higher than we ever had before. We have the highest rate of teen suicides. We have the highest rate of divorce. We have the highest rate of people just simply not getting married. 
We have blurred what a family is. We have taken the emphasis off God. We have distorted what church is. We have taken away its importance. We are struggling as a society. We are divided now more than we ever have at any point in history. And it's all because of a lack of God. We're willing to try anything else. Every pill, every fad, every solution. Why not try God? God. 